everybody, and welcome back to the Four Star Podcast. I am one of your three hosts, Jordan DuPont, joined as always by Nick DeCola and Andrew Freeman. I uh, want to plug a couple things real quick. Uh, thank you, Nick. He started a Twitter for us, which I have uh, listed in my name here. Nick's got his personal Twitter, which he has recently become very active on. Highly recommend following. He's been hilarious. And I'm not just saying that because I've known him since we were six years old. I try. And as always, <laughs> thank you. And uh, again, as always, Andrew's got his, uh, his Twitter handle listed as well. So this week, uh, not really at all going to talk about the Cubs or excuse me, the Blackhawks and the Bulls. We are going to be talking about the Cubs and really digging in heavy on the draft that just happened this past weekend. A lot to discuss. Uh, so first, let's dig in with the Bears. Um, overall impressions of the draft. Uh, Nick, do you want to get us started on your thoughts? Um, overall impressions, I, I'm really happy with how the draft played out for the Bears. I mean, I think... Uh, Ryan Poles did a good job at addressing multiple positions in need, getting good value where he could find it. Um, you know, the team had a lot of holes to fill, even going into the draft. And, you know, they, as as bad teams tend to do. And not that every hole yeah. is filled. I have some concerns about edge rusher mainly. But overall, I think I'm very happy with how the draft went and how the how it's going so far. Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I've, out of all the 10 picks that the Bears made, there's only like one pick, which we're going to get into, I'm sure, that I didn't really like. Um, I'm not sure, Nick, if you know which one that is, but I think um, I do. I think because you complained about it on Twitter. <laughs> True. <laughs> there you go. Um, Plug so there's the Twitter only, again. <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see which one that is. But yeah, no, I think I think Ryan Poles did a pretty good job in this one. I think he maneuvered the draft board well. Um, the Bears were set up very well with draft picks in the future, which is always nice to have. And um, like you said, they didn't fill every need, but I, I don't think they were going to fill every need realistically. You know, I have a couple of nitpicks here and there, which I think we can get into as well. But otherwise, I think it was a pretty successful weekend for Ryan Poles and the Bears definitely got better as a whole. One thing I will say before we get into digging in on the picks, I, I think we learned two important things about Ryan Poles in this draft. And number one, um, just by a couple of picks, he picked uh, uh, a running back and a wide receiver in the fourth round, used late round picks on them, despite taking a wide receiver and running back in the draft last year. Uh, you look at the, I don't think he's married to those draft picks the way like some bad GMs would just be married to players. It's like, oh, I take them. It's a sunk cost. Like Valus Jones is going to be fighting for a roster spot. Tristan Ebner is probably gone. I think, I, I think seeing polls take those guys, even though he drafted guys in the past, I think that's encouraging. And I, I thought it was notable that out of all of the picks in a pretty deep tight end class, they didn't take a tight end. I think that's pretty notable, and it would not surprise me if Cole Komet is extended by the summer. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add one more thing before we get into the picks themselves. Um, but athletes, yes. <laughs> that's like the one thing that, uh, that yeah. I noticed. Is, and this is something that showed up last year's draft a little bit as well, but especially this year. Um, for those who follow um, – the NFL draft, they have this thing called uh, I forget who exactly does. Kentley Platt, I think on Twitter um, is in, in charge of this, but relative athletic score basically takes all, you know, the testing measurements for these guys, the combine pro days for the, for NFL prospects, like 40 yard dash bench press, their size, all that, that. And he, he, he like puts it into some kind of like formula to figure out like what their relative athletic score is. And every single draft pick that the bears made this year had a relative athletic score over eight, which is considered an elite um, relative athletic score. So clearly the uh, emphasis for Ryan polls in this uh, new regime is to get athletes to the building here, get big, fast, strong dudes and um, see what they can, what they could do with them with their coaching staff. So very interesting trends as, as Nick pointed out as well. Yeah. I, uh, I did a little digging on RAS cause I saw a tweet that popped up. I, I, you know, thanks for giving me credit, but I was the one that shared it in our group <laughs> chat today. Uh, uh, so I did a little digging on it just to understand it a little better because uh, before we got this whole podcast started, I was getting made fun of in another group chat uh, for not knowing all the different baseball stats. So wanted to make sure I understood I RAS and <laughs> Nick and one of our other friends. Yeah. Um, so RAS grades you zero through 10 compared to all the people in your position in the draft class. 
And like Andrew had mentioned, all of the Bears guys are sitting at like eight and a half or above, which means they're the 85th percentile or better for their position for this draft class. Um, and the other thing I had mentioned in our group chat this morning was that uh, it, it seems like Ryan Pohl's mentality is it's a lot easier to take an athlete and develop a skill set than it is to take a guy that might have the skill set already and try and turn him into an athlete. And I would tend to agree with that. So um, without further ado, let's start talking about Darnell Wright. I am very, very happy with this pick. Uh, personally, the big thing for me is, and, and Nick, I'll let you tell the story here in a minute, but in years past, uh, there were a number of late hits on Justin Fields and nobody stood up for him, nobody on the line. And so I want to say, I know it was a, a 670 The Score interview. I want to say it was Spiegel and Parkins, not 100% sure. I'd have to go back and double check, but uh, they were interviewing Darnell Wright on what would happen if somebody were to hit Justin Fields late. And his response, oh, we in the parking lot with it. And I, oh, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it. You know, we have Tevin Jenkins, who has stood up for Justin Fields in the past, but uh, gotten in trouble for it. <laughs> so, Nick, if you want to go over that, I'll, I'll turn it over yeah, to you. Yeah, if you I'm don't remember very, very this. excited about this. Yeah, play. if you don't. Yeah, if uh, that excites me, too. If you don't remember what uh, Jordan's talking about with Tevin Jenkins, it was their rookie season, uh, 2021. Um, Justin Fields, like Jordan said, was getting late hit all season. And it was a game against the Vikings where he was just taking hit after hit. And after one hit, Te uh, Tevin Jenkins was out there. He had enough and he got in the face of uh, uh, I don't even remember who it was on the Vikings, but he, he ended up draw drawing a penalty. And then uh, Jermaine Effetti, everyone's, you know, favorite former bears offensive lineman actually got mad at Tevin and then just yelled at him for drawing a penalty rather than protecting this quarterback. And then Matt Nagy makes him an honorary, uh, makes a Fetty an honorary captain next week, because remember he did the thing where, you know, Oh, we're playing the team you used to be on. We're going to make you a captain, you know? So it was just a, it was just not a great look. And uh, Andrew, I know you looked into darn all right, the player, yeah. a lot. So you have a lot to say on that. So I'll let you take it from there, but we Jordan and I love the attitude. Yeah. You want to have that Very attitude exciting. on your offensive line for sure. Like it's something that the bears haven't really had, I think. And they've tried to get that a little bit over the past couple of years. Like Tevin's has been um, a little bit of kind of in the right direction there in terms of getting guys with that type of dickhead mentality, <laughs> um, which is you want a dick dickhead on your offensive line, but um, for, yeah, for Dino Wright, the player and what we're getting here. So a couple things for him. Um, the last year at Tennessee, uh, played right tackle for them. He was a first team all SEC player, um, there four year starter. Um, and he's played all along the offensive line. He was a guard his freshman year, but then he kicked out the tackle after that. He played some left tackle, some right tackle, but his best football has been at right tackle, which we saw this past season. Um, and a couple of things that, you know, I really saw out of him was, um, pass protection is probably his best attribute right now. This guy's a big, strong dude. I think he's like 6'5", 335 pounds or something like that. So he's a big dude, and it shows up on tape. You watch him. You know, when these pass rushers try to get through him, it's really tough to do. He's got really good ability to just – when he latches onto you, he anchors very well, and he's like a brick wall out there. So it's really tough if, to try to like push could. him back into the pocket. Yeah, what's up, Jordan? If I could uh... – Jalen Carter, which I know a lot of people are upset the Bears passed on, but Jalen Carter was getting interviewed as well. And they asked him, who was the toughest offensive lineman you faced all year? And his response was that guy out of Tennessee. And they're like, oh, Darnell Wright? Yeah, Darnell Wright. He's legit. So yeah. he's he's tough. I'm very excited. Yeah. And, and the, the calling card for Wright throughout this process, pre-draft process was that you know he went up against some of the best pass rushers in this year's class like will anderson he had like okay here's the thing though when people talk about like oh well he shut down will anderson he shut down jalen carter okay for will anderson it was literally 10 plays so like we're talking about 10 plays and half of them will anderson was lining up as an inside rusher which is not his skill set so i think that aspect still, of it still is kind stopped of, him. he still stopped him but it's kind of overrated but and then Jalen Carter, we're talking about like let two let two Bears plays. fans be hopeful. Let Bears fans I, be hopeful. I'm just about to compliment the guy. What do you way want? To from way me? to throw. <laughs> we're already getting into it here. Anyway, when we take that out of the consideration here, 
um, you're still getting a really good player with Darnold. That was my point the entire time, Nick, but thank you uh, for pointing <laughs> that out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you take those plays away, which, again, I think they're overrated, but you look at the entire body of work for Darnold, right, there's still a lot to like in this game. Um, we talked about – relative athletic score. I think he was in the nines or something like that for you know his RAS. So uh, this guy tested very athletically, um, although I, I'm not sure it quite shows up as much on his tape, but he, he's, he's shown that he can um, move at that level um, in, you know, in gym shorts or whatever, you know, but he was over 9.5. Yeah. Yeah. He was above 9.68. 9, 9, yeah. He, he tested like an athlete, like a really elite athlete. So, you hope that that's something that the Bears coaching staff can get a little bit more out of him at the next level because that's not something that I, I thought that really showed up for me because I thought he would test a lot lower than that um, going into the combine. But um, it's it's nice to see that he has that. But, again, like I said, great pass protector, rocked up, dude. Um, really tough to get through um, in, in bull rush situations. And in the run game, it's not his strong suit. But, you know, when he does, you know, get in certain positions to, like, really – um, you know, bull guys over like he's like a bulldozer out there in some of these blocking skills. Like he has a lot of highlights out there where it's kind of boomer bust where he either whiffs or he just plows a guy into the turf. And when he does connect on these blocks, like it's really fun to watch. So um I had a first round grade on him. I think it was a it was a good selection at that part part of the draft. And you know, again, these tackles are gonna take get taken higher than they probably should because of how valuable the position is. But I'm not mad with it. Like the Bears, like they desperately needed needed right tackle and i think they got a good one here and done all right he's gonna be a starter right away plug and play and should be pretty pretty solid well with us taking darnell right in the first round that does mean we passed on jalen carter i know i already kind of gave away my position on it i think it was the right move um i think the character questions were too strong and i think ryan pulse has done a very good job of making sure that we get really good guys with really strong character but I'll turn it over to you guys and get your opinion on uh, whether or not you think we should have passed on him and taken Darnell right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it, we had talked about this a couple of weeks when we had brought up the jail on our first episode, but I, I was always skeptical of the bears walking away from this draft with Jalen Carter, mainly because if it, if it were the situation that the bears were comfortable taking Jalen Carter, even given all the off the field stuff, he wouldn't make it to nine. Like Seattle right. wasn't going to, like Seattle would have taken him. Detroit probably would have taken him. Vegas probably would have taken him. Like he would have been gone before he got to nine. And if he falls to nine, that means all of those teams also have the same concerns. The bears do something is scaring them about Jalen Carter. And you might say, well, look, the Eagles clearly wanted him. They traded up to make sure they got him. Obviously, you know, the Eagles are a great organization. They know what they're doing. I think, that is more of they're in more of a position to take a risk on a talent like Jalen Carter than the bears are. The bears are trying to build a culture. The bears are trying to build to what the Eagles already have. So um, again, it's a really good point. Yeah. Again, um, you know, Ryan Poles, the bears organization, they did as much research as they possibly could in a Jalen Carter. Uh, so they have more information than I do. I tend to lean with, I think they probably made the right call. Yeah. And you know, Nick and I kind of had this a little bit of a discussion on this because we were watching the draft together when this happened, and, and it was, it was so funny. Entertaining. Because... <laughs> Just watching you in the draft was so entertaining. Oh my god! You laughed out loud at both Lions picks. It was phenomenal. every Lions pick. It was great. It was um, just cackling. <laughs> but it was it was crazy because you know obviously, and Jordan and I talked about this before we started recording here. But you know, I was checking Twitter the entire time before it would show up on TV. So I would sometimes see some of the picks before they would get announced. But when the bears came up, I'm like, okay, I don't want to see this get spoiled for me. So I just put it away. Um, and then when I saw that they were trading with the Eagles, I was like, Oh, okay. So obviously they're making a move here. And I don't think they're going for Jalen Carter because I think the Eagles really want Jalen Carter and Nick can attest to this. I was super excited about the prospects of getting Jalen Carter. Um, for me, Jalen Carter, he's the best player in the draft. Um, and I was just that was just something I really was psyched up about. And in the moment, I was pretty pretty bummed about it because Jalen, yeah, I was pretty bummed about it. And it kind of deflated <clears throat> the actual selection of Darnell Wright when it happened, which <clears throat> it's probably not fair to Darnell Wright because he's a very good selection in its own right. Um, but as you know, I've had more time to kind of process it. I think you know, 
Honestly, I think the Bears are going tackle regardless. I, I think they were locked in on a guy. They wanted to get a wide receiver and a tackle, I think, from that trade down from one. And um, they got that. So um, am I bummed a little bit that Jalen Carter wasn't the pick? Sure. But I think ultimately, I think we're going to look back on it and say that it was probably the right move for the organization as a whole because they needed to you know, round out that offensive line. They needed a right tackle. They didn't address that in free agency. So – um, they got a good player done all right, and I'm excited to see what happens there because, you know, this was a deep defensive line draft class in general. So if they were going to pass on Jalen Carter, that was probably the, the best way to do it is you get a tackle in there and address defensive tackle later, which they ended up doing, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about very shortly here. Yeah, it's a perfect tee up. Thank you. <laughs> uh, moving on to I'm serving, uh, up, two serving it up for you. <laughs> Oh, you just, I just spiked the crap out of that. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, <laughs> moving on to day two, we got uh, Jervon Dexter, who is a defensive tackle. And uh, also round two, we got Tyreek Stevenson, a cornerback uh, out of Miami. And then in the third round, we took another defensive tackle, Zach Pickens, out of South Carolina. How do you guys feel about all of those? Um, I, I really, I, I didn't know much about, any of these guys before the bears took them because you know, we, yeah, I just didn't get a chance to look into these guys. Uh, so I, my research is limited, but looking into Tyreek Stevenson interests me a lot because as you all remember, I've been pounding the table for Devin Witherspoon for the past two weeks. And I'm, <laughs> first of all, I'm thrilled. He's not a lion. I'm so happy. He ended up in Seattle. Oh, When I told Nick that Seattle was a pick for uh, Witherspoon, he was like, Oh, thank God. Yeah, because yeah, I, I thought it was I thought he for sure was going to the Lions. Same. Oh. Um, anyway, I bring him up because a lot of the traits that I like in Devin Witherspoon are in Tyreek Stevenson. He's he can play physical without picking up the penalties. He's not afraid to tackle. He's great against the run. Good and press man. Um, so I I think that's why I that's why I like Devin Witherspoon. And I see a lot of the same traits in Tyreek Stevenson. So um, I thought that was a good pick. Yeah, yeah. Stevenson is a really interesting prospect. He's one of my top five corners in this year's class. I really liked uh, the size, the physicality. He reminded me a lot of Jalen Johnson, actually, and I think that's a pretty good uh, comp for him. You know, big physical press corner who is a bit of a better athlete than he gets credit for. Um, he has some holes in his game, but I, I think he's a very solid player. I was very surprised he made it that far. I thought for sure he'd be going early round two or even late round one, and I guess because it's such a talented cornerback class that a guy like him was going to be able to fall to the Bears. Um, I mean, they well, had the trade up. Don't forget they traded up for him. Yeah, they had the trade up for him yeah. still, but for him to be there late round two still, like, yeah, for them to be in a spot where they felt comfortable trading up. Um, for, first of all, I, I was also like really surprised that they ended up trading up. I did not expect that, but I'm glad they did it for uh, this player. I'm not a huge trade up person in general, but for Tyreek Stevenson, you're only giving up a fifth round pick, which they got back anyway with the, with the later trade down. So, right, whatever. Um, he, he's a good player. So, I, I really like that. Was probably my favorite pick on day two. Um, and Zach Pickens in the third round is interesting. Um, uh, you know, he's one of those guys who didn't really put it all together in college. I, I thought it was a little bit early for him, but I like the player. I like the upside. I think, you know, he's a guy who has good get off, um, good pass rushing upside. Run defense is a little bit of a different, you know, different conversation there. He's not a great run defender, but um, I think, you know, in the third round, you want to get somebody who can get after the quarterback. And that's something the Bears really struggled with last year. So if he can be that, I, I'd be happy with that. Now, I mentioned earlier that there's one pick that I didn't Buckle like, up. and uh, I do not like the Gervin Dexter pick um, in the second round. Um, I don't want to like, I don't want to trash it too much because I get the upside. I get what they're, I get why they like him because he's big dude. Um, one of those guys who I think had another like 9.2 or something RES score. So I think he's like six, six, three twenty, like really athletic around like a four, eight, eight 40 or something like or something ridiculous, uh, freak show athlete. Um, but <sighs> the tape is, is not good guys. Like he has, so it's funny if you go back and watch him play, that there's a couple games on YouTube. You guys can go watch where you can see full games of him. If you only w watch the Kentucky game from last year, you you would think that he would, was a first round prospect because he was absolutely dominant against Kentucky. 
Here's the thing, though. Kentucky maybe had the worst offensive line in the power five in all the power five conferences. So pretty much every single defensive line prospect that played Kentucky last year dominated them because they were that bad. Every other game that I watched of him, he looked like a day three guy to me. And he's not a day three prospect because of the upside he has. But here's his thing. It takes him like 20 years to actually react to the snap when they get, when the center snaps the ball. Like literally every single play, the snap happens. He slowly gets out of his stance, stands straight up, and then the offensive lineman's in his chest before he can react or do anything about it. And that is like every single snap. That's the case with him. And he's such a freakishly athletic, big, strong dude that he can get away with that a lot of times. But you see it when he gets double teamed in the run game. You see it when he's trying to put together moves in the pass game. Like it's an issue for him. Now, can the coaching staff get that out of him and coach that out of him? Possibly, but it's such a consistent issue for him that I wonder if it's just like a mental processing thing where he's just, he just cannot, you know, process that the snap's gone and he's got to like react to that. And so that's where I worry. And, you know, he's not a great pass rusher at this point. It's clearly one of those things where, you know, he's a, he's got the physical mold of what Iberflus likes in his defensive lineman. And I think it's a case where Ryan Poles sees that and he's giving uh, Iberflus an athlete to kind of mold and see if he can get a lot out of. And if it works, I think, you know, the reward is going to be great. If it doesn't work, um, he's going to be unplayable because you cannot play a guy who just stands straight up at the snap every single play, because in the NFL, you're going to get your ass kicked. I don't care. He's not going to be bigger and stronger than dudes at the NFL level. Like he was in college. So he's got to work on that. If he can, I think they could have something, but I don't know. I would, I would have rather gone with a guy like, you know, Eddie Tomiwa at the who went in the fourth round. I was really surprised, but I thought he was a much better player than both him and Pickens to be honest with you. Um, so I was really Wasn't the tape on him also really bad though. Like I didn't do a deep no. dive into it, but no, that's the I thing. Thought... That's the thing. So, um, I don't Warriors tape is like actually like pretty good. So I don't know why he made it to the fourth round, but I, I guess maybe for him is because he's like a tweener between a defensive end and defensive tackle. A lot of defensive teams like don't know what to do with that, but um, I don't know. You know, I thought his tape was a lot better than Dexter's Dexter's tape is just, all over the place. Um, but I mean, I don't want to get too negative on it though, because I see, I see why they like him. Um, and we'll just see what happens. Like the pick's been made already. We can't change anything. Um, that's all I say. I don't want to trash the kid before he, he plays. Well, some great insight there. Uh, moving on now to round four. Personally, I think this was the steal of the draft. Uh, Roshan Johnson got taken at pick one fifteen. And then uh, Tyler Scott got taken at 133. Um, I just want to say real quick, uh, I saw a highlight tape of Roshan pop up after the draft, like teams are wont to do after uh, they make their picks. And dude makes one cut, and he's got the speed to get upfield. And if by some chance somebody does try and catch up to him, it seems like he just runs right through them. So I think, you know, this is going to make the running back room a little bit crowded. Uh, but I think it was overall a, a great pick. And Roshan was the backup to Bijan Robinson, Robinson, excuse me, at Texas. I think uh, if he goes to any other school, he's the starter and he gets taken way higher. So that's that's why I'm calling it the steal here. But uh, I'll let you guys dig in a little bit more. Yeah, I really, I really like the pick. I like you said, I think if he goes to any other school, he gets a lot more attention. I think the Bears benefited from him just being Bijan's backup. But if you if you compare the two, would you rather have Bijan at pick eight or Roshan at pick one fifteen? Oh, know? definitely. So like I think I said, the Bears steal got, of the draft, in my opinion. The Bears got really good value from him. He's physical, he's a good pass catcher, and he's really good in pass protection, which is gonna be really important in protecting Justin Fields. Uh, his head coach said, um, there's this quote. Uh, from Steve Sarkeesian, uh, what this guy brings every single day is pretty incredible. He's so mature, unbelievable work ethic, awesome teammate. He's got the utmost respect for anybody, everybody in our building. That is for sure. That sounds like a guy that the Bears want in the locker room and someone that would fit the culture that they're trying to build, aside from also just being a stud running back. But, <laughs> well, yeah. first of all, you want him to be a great player first, yeah. obviously, right? But right. I, And I think they are getting that. And it's great that he's also a great person as well. Um, from what it sounds like. Um, 
Yeah, I love Roshan. He was my fourth graded running back in this class. Like, I really liked him. I thought it was a lot. Like you said, Nick, like, would you rather have Bijan at eight overall or Roshan in the fourth round? And I agree. Like, I'd rather have Roshan in the fourth round over Bijan at eight. Um, yeah, I, I really like him. Uh, just all around back, you know, big physical dude, broke a lot of tackles. I think he had, like, the highest broken tackle rate of all these running backs coming out of this year besides Bijan. So um, that's always a positive indicator for him. Um, I just think he's a really solid player. And I think, I don't know if he's going to be like a pro bowler or all pro, but it wouldn't be surprising whatsoever if he's the Bears running back, starting running back by week one of the season. I, th- I think he's got the full full package of what you want from a starter. Maybe not the home run speed, but that's fine. You don't need home run speed to be a, a good productive player. And what do you guys think about Tyler Scott? Love it. Really good pickup. Uh, this was the Robert Quinn pick from Philly. So mm-hmm. Philly got uh, Robert Quinn, who played like two games for them, didn't record a sack. And we got <laughs> Tyler Scott, wide receiver out of Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> he's great. He's trade. Fa- he is fast. That is the main selling point on him. He ran a four, three, seven at his pro day and get you yards after the catch. Just one of those guys, you get the ball in their hands and let them work their magic. Um, he did. I did notice he did have seven drops his senior yeah. season, which kind of concerns me. However, we are not asking him to be wide receiver one. Two, we're asking him to be wide receiver four tops out of the gate. So yeah. I think you keep him on as a gadget guy um, and watch him develop, see if he can fix the drop issue. And um, yeah, I really like it. Not much else to say. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those picks where you don't expect him to be a, a contributor early on, but year two, year three, I think he's somebody that could be pretty productive for uh, the Bears here. And he's one of those guys where he profiles actually very similar to a Bears receiver that is currently on the roster, and that's Darnell Mooney, where smaller guy, but fast, quick, uh, good deep threat. Um, I, I don't think he'll be as good as Mooney, but he's kind of like a, I guess, like insurance in case like Mooney, you know, going to the last year of his contract, if they can't figure out a deal with him, which I'm sure they will because he's just Fields' best friend. So I, I, I would imagine that they keep him on the roster. Like Justin Fields would be pissed off if Darnell Mooney's not in the roster next yeah. year. I'm just going to say that right away. Um, those two are tied off the field. Um, but I, I, I'll say this, that, um, he, he, he's like that backup option in, in case they can't get a deal done with Mooney. Cause he's got a very similar skill set. Again, I don't think he's as good, but he's a great value at that part of the draft. And I, I really like, um, I really like the, the, the dart throw there. You can never have too many weapons for your great young quarterback. All right. So that'll wrap up round four. Um, just going to roll through the, uh, the list of the rest of the guys here. So at uh, pick 148, we took linebacker Noah Sewell out of Oregon. At pick 165, we took Terrell Smith out of Minnesota, uh, cornerback. Uh, pick 218, we took defensive tackle Travis Bell out of Kennesaw State, who is, I believe, the first NFL player from Kennesaw State, breaking ground Very there. cool moment, yeah. Very cool. Um, and then uh, pick 258, Thank you for that just wonderful insight, Nick. <laughs> it's a hard-hitting uh, analysis you come here for. <laughs> Why else? And uh, pick 258, we took safety Kendall Williamson out of Stanford. And uh, that wraps up the draft. Any standouts for you guys in that crowd there? Andrew? Yeah, I'll say this, like – haven't watched a single snap of Travis Bell or Kendall Williamson, so I got <laughs> I got nothing to say on those two except that. They Wait, Kennesaw really... State wasn't on your radar to watch? No, it wasn't on my radar. It's funny. What are you <laughs> doing, man? It's funny. I saw a, a workout video of his pro day, and it looks like literally at their school, it looks like it was recorded in like somebody's backyard. That's like how small the, the school is. I don't want to put any shit at Kennesaw State. I'm sure it's a great school, but um, yeah, very small school there. Other than like those guys have very high RAS scores, like I got nothing on those two. I'll say this, uh, Terrell Smith, I like uh, the dark throw cornerback there. Um, it's continuous again, like we talked about with uh, you know Tyler Scott kind of being like just in case like they can't sign Moody to a long term deal. Like Smith's kind of the same thing with Jalen Johnson. If they can't work out a long term deal, he's kind of like a developmental guy who has a similar skill set. Big, long, athletic dude, um, smart player. It sounds like he's another high-character guy, which is another trend, I think, in this draft class is all these dudes are high-character dudes is what it sounds like. So not only are the Bears drafting athletes, they're getting guys that 
are high character guys in the building. So, you know, whatever, whatever that's worth. Um, but I, I like Smith. I thought that was a steal for them at that part of the draft. And um, I, th- I think he could be a solid, you know, third or fourth corner for them off the bench um, for his rookie contract. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I have not delved deep into these guys as much. Again, I did not watch yeah. any film from Kennesaw State. Um, <laughs> Noah Sewell is an interesting pick to me because obviously, you know, with the big free agent signings uh, this past offseason, you wouldn't think the Bears would go for a linebacker. Um, but I, I like the pick as a good depth linebacker, provides value on special teams. Um, I don't know if this is just um, – I, I don't know if this is just Bears Twitter doing Bears Twitter things because oh we need we need an edge rusher. But I saw some people suggest that maybe they try out Noah Sewell at edge. I Ooh, I don't know about no. that. No, 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 he seems yeah, I looked up uh his yeah, too small. That that was my conclusion as no. well. No. That's 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 <laughs> that's just that's, Bears Twitter doing Bears Twitter that's things. Purely Bears Bears Twitter doing Bears Twitter things. No. Sewell right. I, I, I agree with you, Nick. He's an interesting guy. Um because he, he was great because before this past year, he was like seen as like a first round uh, prospect. And then this past year happened and it's like, oh, he's not a first round prospect, obviously. <laughs> and he's dropping all the way to day through the draft. Um, again, he's like one of those days who's like big and fast, but like he has no ability to change direction. Um, coverage is an issue, but he can take on blocks. And I think the way I see it, like he's going to be great on special teams. Um, and He's Panay Sewell's brother, so that adds a little bit of a more of a uh, family rivalry when the Bears play the Lions uh, over the next couple of years. So that'll be fun, a fun storyline to talk about because we had the same Brown brothers going up against each other as well. So yep. a little uh, a little family feistiness will be. Oh, you also got David Montgomery there. looking for revenge. Yeah, yeah, we, we can talk yeah, about that. David Montgomery yeah, yeah. revenge game. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, overall, at least the consensus I'm drawing from everything we've discussed, I think Ryan Poles did a great job. Um, yeah. yeah. Just like he did last year, you know, there's always going to be some questions coming out of the draft, but uh, I am a big in polls we trust guy. He has given me no reason <laughs> to doubt really anything he's done so far. I think he's done a great job of roster building. Obviously, time will tell once the season rolls around, but uh, overall, I am definitely a fan. Yep. I, I think yeah. we can just leave it there. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, now on to something that at the beginning of the week, I thought this was going to be really fun to talk about after the last <laughs> few days. Not so much, but uh, moving yeah. on to our Cubs coverage this week. Um, so, like I said, at the beginning of the week, they they did a really good job against the Padres. Uh, game one, they won 6 nothing. We lost the, the middle game, 5-3, and then the rubber match, we won 5-2. Um, again, they were, they were looking hot during that series, and the Padres are not a bad team. Oh, uh, yeah. The that first. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to continue and talk about where <laughs> things went wrong. To just I was going to let you do that. I, I'll let you be the bearer of bad news. What? All right. All right fine. fine. <laughs> I, I'll do it. Um, so coming off a nice, uh, nice win against the Padres at home, go down to Miami where they're celebrating Steve Bartman Appreciation Weekend, like the like the cowards they are. Um, and we get swept by them. Scores of three, two, seven, six, and four, three in the last three days. Um, my thought—I'm not trying to overreact too much to the Miami series because these were all close, competitive games. The Cubs didn't look they were. overmatched. Honestly, they got, especially today, they got really unlucky. I there was a stretch in the game today where it was, uh, it was Dansby, Ian Happ, and uh, say Suzuki. They each hit a ball with over a hundred mile an hour exit velocity. And they just all went for outs. One, two, three, very next batter at the top of the inning. Uh, John birdie. hits like a 60 mile an hour single. That's just how baseball is sometimes. Um, it's beautiful, isn't it? It, it is beautiful. And <laughs> the Cubs were hot to start the year. They were getting lucky, but like you, you look at this Marlin series, like a bounce or two away uh, in, in the middle game, they rebound from Caleb Killian's really rough start. We can dive into that, that a little bit, but um, I'm not overly worried, but I do have some concerns and we can get into that. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, well, the, main thing, the main thing I, I want to point out, um, cause I, 
wasn't able to watch a ton of Cubs this week because I was really focused on just all the draft stuff going on um, with everything else I have going on there. But um, the one stat I found interesting going into coming out of this was that before the Marlins series, the bat, the Cubs were batting 310 with runners in scoring position. And over the week, over that series, they went 425. And I, I saw Nick tweet about this plenty of times where he's like, well, gee, it would be nice if the Bear, if the Cubs would do something with our, the bases loaded from once in this series. And I was like, oh, boy. Nick's yeah, and the- right now. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll get into that, but I do want to talk about the Padres series a little bit. We'll just go chronologically here. Yeah. A um, right. couple, uh, couple big notes. Um, Hayden Wesneski, huge bounce back start, looked really, really strong. Um, I think if I remember correctly, he did take a little bit of time to settle in, but once he settled in, like we were discussing last week or the yeah. week before, uh, lights out once he gets everything working. Um, Dansby. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, I had, to, I had a note about uh, Hayden. I didn't get a chance to watch his start, but when I had heard, he, he went uh, five innings pitched, only four hits, one earned run on a home run. I think it was to Machado. Uh, one walk, three Ks. You'd want the the strikeout numbers to be a little bit higher, but it's a really tough Padres lineup, so you take that line yeah. any day. When I saw that line, I was like, oh, like I talked about last week. Last year, he was throwing his slider a lot more, not leaning as much on the fastball. This year, he's leaning throwing the fastball a lot more often, and that fastball is getting pounded. So when I saw that stat line, I was like, oh, he probably went back to a slider. So I went back to the game log on StatCast. Um, of his 74 pitches, he threw 31 fastballs and only 19 sliders. So that really wow. surprised me. And mm-hmm. again, I didn't – Jordan, you watched the game. I don't know if you remembered or were – paying as much attention to it. I don't know if it was like uh I don't know if that was just like a matchup thing where or if he was had good command of his fastball or if he that day he just didn't have his slider on him and uh was like, you know what, I'm just gonna lean fastball and just get through this. You know, I don't I don't remember tracking the pitches quite like that. I do remember him looking good. Okay. Um I mean to me it almost seems like he just got command of his fastball. I can't imagine that couldn't be the case if they started leaning on it that heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, in my opinion, that's kind of how it should be. You know, I get it if you have a great slider and that's your go-to pitch, but at the same time, that should be your put-away pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, it, a big sweeping breaking ball like that, that's how you get guys to swing and miss. That's how you put them away strike three. You pound the zone with the fastball first, get them, you know, at that eye level, at that velocity level, and then use the slider to change speeds and get them to swing and miss. So I, I'm happy that, you know, if if he is just getting command of that fastball and he's been able to work through it, that that's where we're at now. Yeah, it's it's where I'll leave it is that it's an encouraging start. It's an encouraging sign. Very. Hopefully he can string a couple of these uh, quality starts together. And it's technically not a quality start because he didn't go the six innings. But like quality is in like a good start. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, another notable event that happened during the Padres series, uh, Dansby Swanson finally hit his first Cubs home run. Uh, very encouraging sign. He looked like he was just thousand pounds had been lifted off his shoulders <laughs> when he came back in the dugout after uh, after hitting that home run. God bless uh, the Wrigley Field baskets. <laughs> yeah, that was a wall scraper. Yeah, that was. It just yep. just got out of there. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The weather still sucks by you guys, and it's still cold. So oh, it's been sense. awful. Don't even it was, get me started. It was nice for like two hours yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> and then it got cold. Crazy. It's it's been it's, ninety and sunny every single day in Arizona. It's wild. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the uh, the weather here because I actually was uh, umpiring a game for literally the other, I think yesterday morning. And it was literally downpouring rating the entire time. It was miserable. Oh, I hated God. it. So thank you for bringing that up, Jordan. Of course. Um, it was, I, I will uh, never hesitate to rub in the Arizona sunshine. Don't oh, it was worry. fantastic. Yeah, just just lovely stuff. And then uh, last point we wanted to make on the Padres series. Um, overall, the pitching looked good. I know it, again, we'll switch to the Marlins series yeah. here in a minute, but overall pitching looked very encouraging. Bullpen was uh, pretty stout. Um Correct me if I'm wrong, Michael Fulmer didn't mess anything up against the Padres. No, I think what they're doing with Michael Fulmer is really encouraging. They're using him in more low leverage spots, having to pitch an inning here or there. I think I, 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 he pitched today, I believe, and he didn't give up a run, which is definitely encouraging. Progress. It, it, is, it is progress. So <laughs> I don't, 
I, I feel like their plan is to just try to like get him right, get him back on, you know, get him mentally ready, and then maybe try him again in that closer role and see if he can actually stick. Because they've done that before with guys. So, right. um, yeah. All right, moving along to the Marlins series, which is uh, significantly more depressing. Um, like Nick had mentioned when he was running through the scores, all of these were tight games. Uh, I watched – I didn't get to watch the game today because it was 9 o'clock in the morning my time, and it's a Sunday, so I slept in. But I did watch the game yesterday and Friday. Um, it, it was tough being that it, close, especially yesterday coming down from seven runs after Caleb Killian's start and getting within one. Um, coming Cosman's down. Aaron on base path. It just, that, rough. that cannot happen. I mean, for, first of no. all, it was a miracle that the Cubs were even in that game between that disastrous first inning from Caleb Killian. I'm going to start with uh, Caleb Killian. Um, he, he came up from, uh, from Iowa to fill in for uh, Tyone. Um, and it was just a disaster of a first inning. He, he got up to like, I think it was like 40 pitches 41, in the first 41, 41, pitches. 41 pitches in the first inning. It was so hard to watch to the point where David Ross sent him back out there. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, Oh, I almost turned the TV off. I, I was like, it was like, we're done. What's I'm not going to watch and, this. If this is how it's going to go. And I could have understood it, but in the, Top half of the second inning, Patrick Wisdom hit a two-run home run, so it's only a three-run lead. I'm like, you're sending Caleb Killian back out there, but to Caleb Killian's credit, he it wasn't perfect. He did give up one more run in the next three innings, but he settled down a little bit. He rebounded a little bit. He maybe he. I'm hoping that that gave him a little bit of confidence in him. So credit to him for battling through that. Uh, credit to David Ross for sticking with him, and that's why I'm not the manager of the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, seriously, huge, huge props to Caleb Killian because uh, if I had gotten tattooed for five runs with 11 batters coming to the plate in the first inning, I wouldn't have recovered. I definitely would not have recovered. I would have been like, ship me back to Iowa. I don't even care. Just get me out of this building. But he came out and he pitched, was it uh, two or three more pretty uh, I think innings. they took him out in the fourth. I, right. think. I don't think he finished the fourth, but they took him out in the fourth. Huge credit to him for bouncing back and keeping us in a game that we really had no business being in. Yeah, especially to come back down from five nothing when you loaded the bases with zero outs twice and only got one run out of it. Like you cannot, you can't do that once and expect to win and only and expect to win a game. You like Andrew mentioned it earlier. The runners yep. in scoring position was a problem all series, and then. You know, the one run came on a Nico Horner sack fly, and then Hosmer immediately like yeah, ran into it. I, I don't know what he was thinking on that. Play. I don't either. For, he for he got play, caught dead to rights between second and third. I mean, and ball was for, at the cutoff, man, and he just froze. And it's yeah, like, dude, and, you're a 13 year vet. You cannot be making base running mistakes like that. He's not just a 13 year old vet. He's a 13 year old vet whose roster spot is hanging by a thread. You got Matt Mervis yeah. breaking in Iowa. You've got every Cubs fan, all three of us included, <laughs> like calling yep. for him to be like fire, fired into the sun. Just <laughs> <laughs> we like, we want to see Matt Mervis hit. We're sick of the ground outs. We're sick of. And like that error cannot happen when you are a fringe roster player. And it definitely can't happen when no. you're in the middle of maybe tying this game. You got Dansby Swanson coming up. You have the, the heart of the order coming up with two guys on. It, it's a mistake that just can't happen. Well, and the I do want to say, you know, I kind of want to backpedal from my statements last week a little bit because I did see a very good point on Twitter about Trey Mancini, who has been improving. I, I think he went two for four on Saturday, if I remember correctly. Um, but I, I saw a really good point about Trey Mancini and Eric Hosmer. It's like, as an organization, the Cubs are taking, I don't want to say like reclamation projects, but it kind of is reclamation projects. And we're taking guys that have struggled a little bit, some veteran guys that we know are good clubhouse guys to try and give them a bounce back season. Um, Cody Bellinger, another great example. Um and it's, it's really tough to maintain that positive outlook from other veteran players who might be wanting to play for your team if, uh, if you're getting rid of those guys after a month of bad play. So I, I get it. And Eric Hosmer has also come out and said that if Matt – he knows Matt Mervis is coming. He's aware of it. He knows. He's come out and said that, hey, I, I'm a 13-year vet. If this guy comes up, I'm not going to you know, get upset about it. I'm going to mentor him. 
And I think that is very useful. I think that's very beneficial to the overall team atmosphere and everything. So I don't necessarily want to fire him into the sun, but at the same time, like, dude, you cannot be making rookie base mistakes like that in a close game. And to that point, like these close games, all, like we said, all these Marlins games were close. It's a lot harder to stomach these close losses that were a bounce or two away when we know we don't have our 26 best players on the roster. Right. So it's, I I get that this year is not the go all in year. If this were the go in all in year, like I'd be a lot louder about it, but like the Cubs, we've shown this team is good. This team has potential to Mm -hmm. make the playoffs, maybe make some noise. I don't think, I don't know if we'll be for sure a a contender or not. I think it's a little bit early to say that, but if every game is going to matter down the stretch and if we are not fielding our best team, we're not going to be winning as many of these close games as we should be. Right. Yeah. And I think the one thing I'll, I'll chip in here is that I kind of talked about this last week, but early in the season, you know, when is kind of that adversity going to hit for this team? I think this is kind of their first, you know, kind of series with dealing with that adversity here. So I think the important thing for them is how they respond to this. Do they let this affect their play going into their next couple series here? Or do they, you know, bounce back for it, get off the schneid here and get back to a couple more wins and start rolling again? Ultimately, that's going to have to be what, what happens with them. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, um, the last thing we wanted to note, Luis Torrens, we did DFAM, so Nelson Velasquez stayed up, which dude's raking. He's Um, phenomenal. But it is going to be tough, I think, to keep everybody all involved when Matt Mervis is obviously on his way up. Christopher Morrell is literally the best hitter in the minor leagues right now. Like, just Do you want to hear his stats as of this morning when I pulled it? Yes, I was hoping he would jump in with that. <laughs> he's got, so he's batting 363 with a 1298 OPS. Uh, his strikeout percentage is down to 27%, and it was only it was like 30% last week when we checked it. So it's going down slowly but surely. Um, and he's hit 11 home runs in 23 games. It's just so disgusting. It's, and uh, really I've got need that bat. And yep. while I while I got a uh, Mervis up here too, 274 average. Uh, 936 OPS with six home runs. Those are great numbers, but they look pedestrian compared to Christopher Morrell. Like he needs, like yeah, yeah. I I need to see him back. Bring those guys on the 26 man roster. Bring him up, please. No. Well, I think that will about do it for our Cubs coverage um, for this week. Nothing really to discuss with the Bulls and Blackhawks again. Uh, I think it's the Hawks have their draft lottery. On the 8th of May, uh, Bulls are on the 16th. So really nothing of note until then. So I think we'll uh, move on to our four stars of the week here. Uh, Number one, we got Justin Steele, who gave up zero earned runs on three hits, two walks in five and a third innings with five strikeouts. Uh, Dude is still just crushing it. Um, I think after Shohei... I made my first sports bet in months the other day (laughs) when Shohei was pitching against the A's (laughs) and it just, I was like, Oh, this is a lock. The A's are terrible. No, of course now Shohei's ERA is up to a two something. So I, I I mean, Justin Seals got to be right at the top of the list now, I would assume. Yeah. He had another quality start today too. I think it was six innings, two earned runs off the top of my head. I don't know exactly. I, I think it's something like that. Another good start today too. So yeah. So a huge shout out to Justin Steele, first star of the week. Uh, Next up, I will turn it over to Andrew for number two. Yeah, and our our second star of the week has to be Ryan Poles, general manager for the Chicago Bears. Uh, Uh, Bears. The Bears. Bears. Um, (laughs) You know, not only just for the way he handled the draft this week, but really the entire offseason, I think Ryan Poles has done – a pretty a pretty dang solid job this this offseason i think putting this team together again i think you can nip, nip pick a couple things here and there but overall i see the vision i see what you know how he wants to build his team you know moving down from the first overall pick and getting dj Moore and darnell right essentially in in that trade plus all the draft picks they're getting in future years i mean just chef kiss for for that move um and then getting some solid players in in the draft as well i think he had one of the better weekends of 
any NFL GM this past weekend in the draft. And certainly all the experts that cover this draft as well um, are, are noting that as well, that Ryan Poles is doing a pretty dang good job. So uh, shout out to Ryan Poles. I think the Bears are moving in the right direction. You know, how close they are to being a true playoff competitive team, I don't know. Justin Fields makes the next step. We'll see. But um, as of right now, future is looking pretty bright for the Bears um, over there with Ryan Poles running things after this draft. And now moving on to our number three star of the week, Nick uh, called dibs on this one. Uh, <laughs> so, we will we will include a link in the description yeah. uh, on the YouTube video. Uh, so a little little extra push for those of you that are listening on Spotify, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Google, or Amazon. Uh, well, we'll put it in the YouTube video. We'll put it in the show description as well. But um, oh, I didn't know our, you could do that. Yeah, but, yeah, you can. <laughs> you learn things week. every day. Um, so our first. <laughs> Our third star of the week is uh, Birdo from the West Side. So if you don't know who Birdo from the West Side is, um, he's, a, he's a White Sox fan. As we've mentioned before, we're, we're not White Sox fans, so we don't really cover them as much on the show. But they are just having a horrendous season. They actually they snapped, I think, that 11 or 12 game losing streak. They snapped it today. But yeah, uh, with it's just been, on ninth inning, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, it was. I watched the end of it. It was it was insane. But um so basically, Birdo called into uh, Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000 and just gave this seven-minute-long, <laughs> super well-articulated, hilarious rant about just everything that's gone wrong with the White Sox. And like when when we say we don't cover the White Sox because we're not diehard fans and we can't give you that raw reaction, Birdo can give you that raw reaction. He made me want to take my savings and buy a sell the team billboard and put it up on 35th. Like it's it was it is the greatest call in in the history of talk radio. I implore you if you have not heard this, if you have not seen this, please listen to it because it is it is is phenomenal. It was art. It was. It really was. You know when you see it. All right. And our last star of the week. The New York Jets for making Aaron <laughs> Rodgers go away. The boogeyman is gone. Even though they the overpaid to do it, but is you know, gone. we'll take it. He He's no gone. Longer, He's gone. He no longer uh, is supplanting the McCaskey family as the owners of the Bears because <laughs> he just had to yeah. twist the knife. You know, I heard. You know, I heard one of the things, I don't know if you guys saw this report, but one of the things holding up the trade was that Aaron Rodgers wanted to, the Jets to uh, cancel family day at training camp. So, <laughs> That was a good day. That was a good day. Oh, God. It, it, it's right. hilarious that, uh, you know, you couldn't write a, write a better script with uh, Brett Favre going to the Jets after the Packers. Now Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets yeah. just – Oh man! Yeah, which means he's going to Minnesota next year. Great! Hey, Kirk Cousins in the last year of his contract. No, I know it's sliding. It could happen. It's sliding up perfectly. (laughs) I'm waiting for it. He's going to retire and go on some like LSD trip somewhere, and then four months later, he's going to show up and be like, "Oh, I'll play for the Vikings, I guess." (laughs) I I really. That's what the dark room told me to do. (laughs) The only reason I hope that happens is so that we can get a uh, round two of the. This isn't Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl call because that is one of my all-time favorites. Great radio call. I can't remember oh, the Vikings yeah. radio announcer name, but he's the he's uh, the best. He's awesome. <laughs> incredible. So moving on from our four stars of the week, uh, if you'll notice, we moved the SWFU section down here because uh, we figured it's probably not a good idea to start <laughs> off each episode on a bunch of negativity. Uh, fortunately, we really don't have anything that we messed up last week, so. Um, if you do wind up catching a mistake now or in the future, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, again, that's at four star pop shy, uh, shy is in C H I for Chicago. Um, if you're watching the video, I've got it, uh, next to my name here. Um, so moving on from there, going to go to our complete 180. Anybody want to go first or you want me to knock mine out? Go for it. Yeah. All right. Um, so I know we don't typically cover the White Sox, but, uh, I did want to delve into it a little bit just because, uh, you know, growing up a Cubs fan going 108 years without a world series win and growing up with all the White Sox and, Oh, well, we won in 05. It's like, yeah, well, your streak was really long too. It is a 
abysmal what is going on on the south side right now. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, they were on an 11 or 12 game losing streak. They just snapped it today. Um, I saw a video where the fans were chanting, sell the team, which uh, I'm not going to get Andrew too fired up because this is my 180, <laughs> but uh, common owner with the Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, Don't get me started. The White Sox are one of three teams in Major League history to never offer a $100 million plus contract in the third largest media market in the entire freaking country. And now look, I, I am a Cubs fan, obviously. We've, we've discussed that ad nauseum at this point, but I'm not a Sox hater. They're from Chicago. It, you know, Obviously, if the Cubs are going against them, and you guys might disagree with me on this, but obviously I if the Cubs are, are going against them, I'm going to root for the Cubs. It's fun to have that rivalry. But one of the things I would think I want to see in my lifetime is a Cubs Sox World Series. I think that would just be the coolest thing in the world. I will support them, again, as long as they're not playing the Cubs. And just to see how miserable this fandom <laughs> is right now, it's, it's a travesty. It, it really is a travesty. And uh, I hope they're able to turn it around. In theory, they should have a good roster. I mean, you got Luis Robert. You got Liam Hendricks. Um, Eloy Jimenez. I mean, they've got studs on the team. It's just, it's not coming together. And last point I'll make on this. I mean, this team has no motivation. Luis Robert hit a Mm -hmm. chopper up the third baseline and jogged to first base. He would have been safe had he given 100% effort. He jogged up the first baseline and got thrown out by two steps. It's just something needs to change. I know Rick Hahn has personally taken the blame, but something's got to change in that building because it really is unfortunate what's going on right now. On the uh, Luis Robert thing, he said after the game, it was because his hamstring was tight, but he also didn't tell the staff or the trainers or anything like that. And he also didn't know his bench coach's name. So <laughs> yeah. you <know>, it's <laughs> it's just... It's just I was really excited when Luis Robert came up again as a Cubs fan. I, ball player. I, I, I was very excited for him. And, you know, when he's on, he's on. But he's just got a there. They just need a complete overhaul. They over do. There. They do. Starts up top. Yep. Really yeah, does. I but think, I don't uh, want to get into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Short of selling the team, I think Rick Hahn needs to go. But I'll leave it there. That's my 180. Uh, Andrew, you want to go next or I can go? Nah, you got it, man. Go ahead. I got it. All right. So I want to use my segment this week. Um, I actually uh, wrote a little open letter that I want to say to somebody who has really affected my uh, sports fandom in an interesting way. Dear Aaron Rodgers, on, (laughs) on November 16th, 2008, you made your first career start against my Chicago Bears. A 37-7 thrashing at Lambeau. You went 23 for 30, 227 yards, two TDs, another day at the office. Little did I know that that day would set the tone for the next 15 years. For the next 5,274 days, you have made the lives of Bears fans a living hell. You are personally responsible for at least three of my top five most painful moments as a Bears fan. You want to know what's really sad about that? Super Bowl doesn't even crack that list. That's how much of a demon you have been in my life. (laughs) From the 2010 NFC Championship game to opening night 2018, when you led the Packers to soul-crushing comeback victory after your doctors injected you with enough painkillers to kill a horse. It's my knee. (laughs) To the the, uh, I still own you game, which, side note, if we're using the Cassius Marsh standard, that should have 100% been a taunting penalty. You have tortured me in ways that I can only describe as cruel and unusual punishment and inflicted trauma that will undoubtedly be passed down through generations in my family. Last Monday, April 26, 2023, your time with the Packers officially came to an end. You arrived in Green Bay hating Brett Favre, and by the time you left, you replicated his career path almost perfectly, up to and including holding the Packers hostage with your own ego and blocking the first-round pick they drafted to replace you out of pure spite and then screwing off to New York. So as you embark on this new journey to Big Apple, I want to leave you with this. You're an all-time great. Even I have to admit that, but no one will miss you. Bears fans don't miss you for obvious reasons. Packers fans won't miss you because of all the BS you've put them through these past couple years. 
Shailene Woodley doesn't miss you for reasons you probably know better than me. You've destroyed the Packers with your own ego, which is the only positive thing you've done for me in my life. I'll enjoy the year off before you're back playing in Minneapolis next year. Goodbye. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I'm done. Okay. For those, for those listening and not watching, I'm crying. I'm literally crying of laughter. Nick, you are not allowed to go second when we do this anymore. Two weeks in a row, you have completely blown this segment out of the water. You are closing it from now on. This is Fair your enough. segment. We're not worthy. Wayne's World. I mean, how the heck do I follow oh, that shit, up? Dude, that was... I'm debating whether whether I should even go on at this point. Oh, hey, my God. This you, is man. just... Oh, my gosh. Jeez wow. Christ. I guess I oh. guess I can uh, use the time to shit on the Lions, I guess, while we're here. <laughs> But that's not gonna that's not gonna do this segment any justice though with uh Jesus Christ when, when Nick just pulled out on us. I can I wow. can, can I go yeah, or, go or like, what yeah. what are we doing? Yeah, here? go for it. My, my god, like just a nuclear bomb of just <laughs> complete shade that Nick just dropped on us. That was that was incredible. Wow. I was yeah, for those who are, who are only listening to this podcast, like Jordan and I were just straight up dying of laughter this entire last, what, three minutes or so while Nick was going yeah. on his diatribe. Um, I, I'm, I, I almost like, I, I almost flipped I'm over sweating. my laptop when this happened. Just, oh my God. That, that, that was art. Anyway, um, I want to use the time to crap on the uh, Detroit Lions for absolutely screwing themselves up uh, in the uh, NFL draft. <laughs> So uh, the Lions started this draft with uh, picks 6, 18. They had two second-round picks going to this draft. Um, and they had every opportunity to uh, come away and really get a home run draft here to uh, you know, really take the division by the balls here over the next few years. Now that, that asshole uh, in Green Bay now with the Jets is out of here that Nick just talked about. Um, <laughs> but – with that said, we get to draft night. And like Nick said earlier, I was laughing my butt off the entire time Cackling. the Lions were on the clock. It was the funniest thing you could ever imagine. Jordan, I wish you were there. Um, so it started I off. I told you guys to live stream it. We're not, I didn't feel like live streaming yet. I'm Audie, sorry. This is episode three. Like, let's. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want a five hour live stream of us just like being on our phones well, no, the just... entire time? Just round one. Round yeah. one would have been fine. That's like five hours right there. I don't, I don't know if the people would like to see that. Yeah. Anyway, um, enough of that. This is my three minutes here. Um, but first of all, they don't get Devin Witherspoon, who I'm convinced. Thank God. Who I am convinced they were like determined to draft him at six overall. So they trade back, whatever. Good move, whatever. Um, they take a running back. At 12 overall, um, who I had a second-round grade on. Um, Jameer Gibbs, good player, not a first-round running back. But he, he bites kneecaps, I guess, though. That's fine. <laughs> and then uh, they draft Dan, Dan Campbell's – and then they draft Dan Campbell's long-lost son, uh, Jack Campbell, uh, with their second <laughs> first-round pick he, because he bites kneecaps. Um <laughs> And I mean, they basically screwed themselves out of basically controlling the division for the next three to four or five years, essentially, is what they did in this draft. Um, they made some good picks later on. I don't want to get into those too much, but just the fact that the Lions had every opportunity to really um, take over and really be the uh, top team in the NFC North for years to come. They could have traded up for a quarterback. They could have gotten Jalen Carter six overall. But nope, they got a running back and Dan Campbell's longest son, Jack Campbell, linebacker. Didn't they draft uh, Stetson Bennett in the later round? No, they did not get Stetson Bennett. They got Hendon Hooker. In the oh, that's round. right. That's right. That's so they, <laughs> the one quarterback they did draft is a 25-year-old player who played in a fake college offense coming off an ACL injury. Congratulations. That's your Jared Goff replacement. I still think Hendon Hooker is going to have a better career than Will Levis. but I mean, know. that's not saying much. Yeah, but I mean, 
I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, we'll I mean, see how regar- uh, regardless, Jared Goff's still the quarterback yeah. of the Lions, so you know, I think Dan I Campbell. Can, uh, I think that. Dan Campbell saw the movie Draft Day, and he was like, "You know what? The Browns took a <laughs> linebacker and a running back. He needs his Vontae Mack. He needs yeah. Vontae Mack, no matter what." That's right. <laughs> I, I honestly, I think Jack. I think Dan Campbell like watched Draft Day the yeah. night before and is like, "You know what? This is it. This this Emma effort is speaking spitting. <laughs> we got to get to that." But uh, yeah, congratulations, Lions. Uh, they probably had the worst draft of every NFC North team, and. I'm all here for it. It was a classic LOL Lions uh, draft, and it was <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun to watch. For those of you that can't tell, uh, if you want to know how passionate we are about football, we just went on a tirade for three minutes about how much we hate Aaron Rodgers, and we went on another three-minute tirade about laughing at the Lions. And I think <laughs> the only reason we didn't cover the Vikings is because uh, Kirk Cousins in primetime speaks for himself. So yeah, yeah. there you go. Air uh, down, we, baby. We, oh, yeah. Uh, bears <laughs> so uh with all that being said it, man nick i how that's do we gonna live on and like it, i'm gonna i need to clip that i'm gonna clip that it's going on tiktok <laughs> as our first first TikTok, i think it's too, it's too long incredible. for a tiktok you gotta no like, they bumped it to five minutes oh they you did five minutes now yeah. i'm not on that hellhole of an app so yeah, that's fair <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna do it um so anyway thank you guys so much for watching another episode of the four star podcast As always, you can check out Andrew's work on the Bear Report at uh, 247sports.com and hear him on the Picks for Polls podcast on Bear Report Radio. You can also follow him on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Uh, Nick, again, has recently become active on his personal Twitter, and I hilarious takes. If you want some hilarious takes while watching the – well, right now the Cubs, I'm sure it's going to be great come Bear season. Uh, Check out Endicola21 on Twitter. And then we also have our channels page, uh, Four Star Pod Shy, and uh, we also have a Facebook page. But if you're looking to listen, uh, check us out on our YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to like, subscribe, share, comment, all that good stuff. That's how we're going to get this show to grow and uh, keep bringing it to you every week. Thank you so much again for checking us out. Enjoy the rest of your week.